Constellations had unmoored from their fixations and altered their shapes and caused time stood still, motion was new, and mankind was at a loss. Beyond us, 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 each month it grows shorter by the lunar quarter and the rain no longer fell. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name is Jeremy. And we're here yet again to discuss another uh, roundabout ragtag group of issues leading up to the culmination of what will only be known as Secret Wars 2. Uh, we're going to kick this one off with New Mutants number 29, which it's really amazing that we covered Beauty and the Beast, the miniseries, uh, recently because... I had no idea that this directly relates to that. I wouldn't have known that either. Other than Sunspot is fighting somebody called the Gladiators on the cover. In the last issue of New Mutants, they referred to the Gladiators, but I hadn't read Beast and uh, Beauty and the Beast, so I didn't know who they were. And if you're reading these all out of context, you're probably like, what a coincidence. But when you're writing them back to back, you're reading them back to back, you're like, oh... All right. I guess there is kind of a plan going on there at the Marvel Universe. And I feel like, once again, this is another version of Chris Claremont retelling a story that's already been told a little bit better. (laughs) You mean retelling Beauty and the Beast? Yeah. Yeah. Just without Beast. (laughs) Well, and without four issues. And just really summarizing the key bits and pieces. So the last issue of uh, New Mutants, the only part that is sort of relevant to this is that Empath came to the Hellfire Club and had somehow gotten uh, Sunspot and Magma kidnapped on the, and was sending them off to battle the gladiators. Right. Pick up um, sort of from there. Yeah, Magic and Cannonball are in their swimming suits. Cannonball didn't think this all the way through, but they're about to they're about to do a rescue. They're gonna they're gonna find the people that kidnapped their friends uh, in their swimsuits. So the gist is that they Sunspot and Magma must have just been kidnapped, and during that kidnapping, uh, Sunspot or uh, Cannonball and Magic must have been hanging out in there uh, by the swimming pool of the mansion and they're following them immediately. Yeah, there's a whole sequence of vans and airplanes and stuff and they eventually find like a, I guess the kidnapper guy who, who doesn't have magma and sunspot but I think he knows where Magma and Sunspot are. All right. There's, it's sort of complicated. They're following a van which has them on it. And then the van goes to a plane which deposits them to the plane. And then they grab the van driver and then Cannonball destroys the van, and then they realize that they're probably on the plane, so Cannonball goes after the plane. But the plane driver is pretty smart and uses the rockets to kick uh, Cannonball back, and he crashes to the ground. He thinks he's almost going to die, but Magic take, transports him into limbo uh, midfall, and that's where they interrogate the van driver. By they use Belasco to interrogate the van driver. Oh no, Sim. I'm sorry, Sim. Sim. Right, not, not Belasco. Belasco. That would be that would be crazy. That'd be wrong. Uh, yeah, Sim and his little vest and tail. He's there. He's awesome. Love Sim. 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 So they figure out there's some goings on in Los Angeles. So uh, Magic transports them, but. 
as what happens with magic's power, they sometimes travel in space and time, and they've accidentally lost a week's worth of time. She thought she had it under control. She convinced Cannonball that she did, but nope. Nope. So they fly off. They know somebody in L.A. that could probably help them. And They uh, sure do. One Lila Cheney. Remember her? Lila Cheney. <laughs> Lila, Lila Cheney. <laughs> and they show up, and there's this big dude who I've never seen before, but he's got a bow tie and a huge coat and a big squiggle of hair and some crazy glasses. This is the first appearance of Guido. Guido? Or, or Guido. So when we get introduced to Guido later, way later in Uncanny X-Men, I had no idea that he had a presence earlier. Apparently he is Lila Cheney's butler. Yep. So to see him... Uh, well, interestingly enough, uh, he he will become Dazzler's butler. Slash bodyguard. Slash bodyguard. Anyways, yeah, so he's like, nobody sees Lila. That's when Sam's like, yeah, but tell her it's Sam. Why didn't you say so in the first place? Make yourselves comfortable. So Lila transports them off to their Dyson Sphere, this place she's got. She's, she's all over Sam. They kind of <laughs> talk about, well... We got some friends, Sunspot and Magma. They've been kidnapped by these people called the Gladiators. We don't know where to find them, or how to get to them. And Lila's like, I know who they are, and I can get us tickets. Lila has as accidentally brought her bass player or something, keyboardist, backup singer, uh, with her and Cannonball and Magic to the Dyson Sphere when she transported from L.A., and as it turns out, it's Dazzler. It would make sense that Lila would be doing some backup sessions with uh, with Allison Blair. Well, Allison's the backup. Right. Well, that's what I meant. Like, she would be recording. Because I think it says, like, in uh, Lila's basement studio, a woman walks up the stairs or something like that. So, you know, Lila's working with Dazzler to lay down some backing tracks for Lila's new track of awesomeness. That's all I'm saying. There's a couple of... Uh... Remember last issue when uh, last issue of X Men when when Rogue was in the shower listening to Nazgul? Yes, there's another reference to Nazgul in this issue. I, it's coming up at some point. I think. And are they a thing? I don't know what, if they are a real thing, but Nazgul is also referenced in Beauty and the Beast. Okay. So I don't know if that's a Marvel band or if that's a, if that's a real. I'm gonna look it up. And I think it's I think it's a Marvel band. Are they super powered? I well, we get a little bit of their backstory in this issue. Something about Lila Cheney having opened for them before. All right, so um, I'm, I'm I, sh- I don't know if like they're just trying to make them a thing, or if this is building up to a Nazgul story, or what's going on. Well, okay, Doesn't Nazgul have something to do with Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Is I think there's probably a bunch of listeners out there that are freaking out right now because we don't know this. Uh, I am not <laughs> a Lord of the Rings person, but apparently Nazgul. Uh, are also called Ring Wraiths. Black Riders, Dark Riders, and the Nine Riders are simply the Nine. Uh, so they're baddies in Lord of the Rings. Those were some good movies. <laughs> what? They were... Oh. <laughs> I didn't I didn't realize those were movies. I thought that those were documentaries about how wonderful the landscape in um, <laughs> New Zealand were and a volcano. I, I don't know. The, and the trees? Yeah. The, some, walk, some... the walking, talking trees? Yeah. Everybody walked in that movie. Lots so we're not Lord of the Rings fans. <laughs> nope. Anyways, yeah. So between Dazzler and Lila Shanae, they know where to go. And so we transfer our attention over to... Uh, You're the- really going to stick with Lila Shanae, huh? Totally. That's what, I, that's what I went to when I was a kid. Okay. I understand it's spelled Chaney, but I didn't know any better. And I still don't. 
Do you think she's related to Dick Cheney? Oh. Or Dick Cheney? <laughs> Dick Cheney. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think she is. Rebellious daughter of Dick Cheney. <laughs> so there's a fight between one of the gladiators and Sunspot. And he's had an appearance in New Mutants before, but only uh, it was kind of a one-off and he wasn't a, he was not a memorable character. I'm not sure why they bothered bringing him back cuz he doesn't have much of an uh, a role in this Syria sequence of comics either. Is he into this or is he brainwashed? I think I don't think anybody's brainwashed. So why are they doing this? Why is Sunspot fighting? Well, Sunspot uh, Sunspot doesn't want to fight but Amaro reveals to him that the person that captured them, Alexander Flynn, remember him? Yeah. Dr. Doom's son? Yeah. Um, Alexander Flynn says, if you don't fight, we've also kidnapped some kids. That's right. And if you don't, uh, we'll send the kids in your place and they will surely die. Right. So they're like, oh, I guess I guess we'll have to. I guess we'll have to fight then. Yeah, and one of the fighters there is like, uh, you just do as I say. It's a tough life, but one day you'll come to love it. Show enough. And they transfer their attention to Lila's. Uh, this is where Dazzler gives a one-page, not even, like a two-thirds page uh, summary of what happened in the contents of the Beauty and the Beast limited series. She talks about the Heartbreak Hotel and how the gladiators were a real uh, group of buddies. <laughs> <laughs> she had value. She had worth, camaraderie. It was special. It was good. It's a place I uh, can't and won't forget. Yeah, Lila's like, oh. She says that she misses the the crowds, the cheers, standing center stage, being the best. And Lila thinks she's addicted. This is where Lila uh, gives us Guido's name, and that's where I was like, oh, oh, that is Guido. You okay, did, you didn't think it was the same character. I it could have from the first appearance. It could have been anybody. He's got that. Signature gigantic hunchback, the glasses. Yeah, that's a, I don't know. It looks like a Bilson cabbage thing. Yeah. Yeah, it totally does. But I, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't sure. No, no, no worries. Um, so that's when Lila says, okay, well, I, I work for a record company. They'll do whatever they, whatever, anything to keep me happy. So Guido, give me tickets for the next Gladiators event. No problem, Lila. I got this. And now we get a little bit of catch up with uh, Magneto and Elites Forrester. Um, Magneto was still weak from being rescued from the sea. So he's he's practicing. There's like a, I guess, a metal statue or maybe it's a statue with a bunch of iron in it. But he's trying to, uh, it's toppled. He's trying to put it back onto its pedestal. And he's having a lot of problems, but he's like, I can't fail. Not in front of this woman. <laughs> no, he doesn't say that. Uh, no, I will not fail. I will not fail. And he, he eventually does overcome. He succeeds. He gets the, the thing up on the pedestal, but he doesn't collapse, but he's he's winded. And that's when Lee comes up and is like, oh, I've got you. I'll hold you up. Not since childhood have I been so seriously injured. Um, I, I am, uh, I'm, I'm tired of being ill. I am a man of action. This uh, sitting around pampering myself is sheer torture. And yet uh, you have stayed by me throughout. It, it's a debt I can never repay. Uh, I fear, dear Elitis, that uh, were our positions reversed, I should not have been so noble. Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> And hardly that, considering how I tried to hurt you the other day, says Lee. It would cause these my powers without thinking to impose my will on another. So had he 
did do did he do some mind control on Lee or somebody else? Uh yeah, he she was walking away from him. They were in the middle of an argument and she was like, Leave me alone and he grabbed her and lifted her up and pulled her back to him and and then he was like, Don't you do that. Oh. So it wasn't we're done with my, mind control will never make another appearance in Magneto's repertoire. I I used to never say never. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and so they, they have a little conversation and they decide that they're, uh, well, Magneto's like, it was my impression, Captain Forrester, that we had uh, passed far beyond mere friendship. Why do you think I was so scared? I still am. Uh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> and, the head of Charles Xavier shows up and says, Magneto! Wait, wait, they kiss, they kiss. There's a kiss. Okay. Um, and then the head of Charles Xavier interrupts that kiss and says, Magneto, that's Scott's girlfriend from before when he <laughs> married Madeline. <laughs> I know. And the professor says, something's crazy. Uh, the Beyonder's back. You remember him. He's on Earth. And I'm very Bill Sinkovich, crazy, scary looking mad. Beyonder on Earth. America tried. Worn X-Men. Too weak. No one heard. Save Captain America and you. <laughs> Gather heroes, Avengers, Fantastic Four, all you can. Lead X-Men in my place. Fate of Earth, of humanity, in your hands. So we'll learn a bit more about this in Secret Wars 2, number one. Magneto's like, yeah, that's weird. My old buddy and rival. Actually, not my buddy at all. <laughs> Except for that one time. Yeah, we fought over a girl. I wonder if he's trying to put the moves on you, too. I, uh, I gotta go, Lee. Sorry. Beyonder, you know, you know how it goes. Ah. He did say Beyonder. <laughs> Is this the last time we ever see Lee Forrester, I wonder? No, no, she'll be back. Oh, okay. So we uh, flash our attention over to Los Angeles to the Gladiators, Dazzler, Lila Shanae. Uh, okay, this is where the Nazgul poster is, yep. and she says, uh, they were the best till Hobbit Hobbins, poor thing, got his head blown off at West Mesa. Oh, okay. There you go. So, so they have a dark backstory. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Dazzler is in a disguise. I'm not sure why, because everybody immediately recognizes her. Right. Not two panels later, somebody goes up to somebody else and says, Dazzler has returned, master. Splendid. How utterly delightful. I must behold this miracle for myself. Presumably this is Alexander Flynn. Yeah, he's got a new voice. He's disguising it. Uh, so he, somebody casts a hologram. I don't know who. I don't know why either. She says, project this holographic image of the arena. I don't know why. Like, what is that? Sh I guess. It doesn't. <laughs> he, he doesn't want to show his face. And the, the, the person doing the holograms also shows a hologram of uh, Lila Cheney and Cannonball and says, look, these, there's some mutants too. Sam Guthrie, leader of the new mutants. Better and better. They must have come to aid their captives. So are they officially a team called the new mutants? Yes. It has been referred to many times that they are sometimes called the new mutants, more, more, more usually called the mutants. Okay. But, but yeah. I don't know. At some point. Alert the gladiators. We have a most special guest. I want them given a show they'll never forget. It will end with their joining us. Ooh. Dazzler's reminiscing. How pathetic these people are. Oh, no. That's ma that's magic. It, oh, it is. Dazzler's in the white outfit. Oh. oh. The face mask and the, the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see it now. Uh, the trumpets come out. Uh, everybody's lined up. You got some people... Ivich's foe is a shape changer. Some more mutants fighting mutants. 
basically at the end of Beauty and the Beast, we thought like this whole thing was over and uh, Horseman was going to start like a real um, playhouse. And maybe he did, uh, but I guess we never, I never really thought that the Dr. Doom son would be left to start up a new gladiator arena. Seems weird. No, no, that's, that's not what you would have thought would have happened based on that. We get the Bilson Cabbage version of Ivich, who in the Beauty and the Beast was a the green-skinned woman. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Here, she has a Frankenstein head, and she has lost her green skin. Yep. It's a, a completely different imagining of a character. But uh, she starts to lose to a giant snake shape-changer, and Dazzler throws off her mask and jumps into the gladiator area and stops the snake-changer and saves her friend. Her friend Ivich kills the shape-changer and is like, yeah, this is how it is now. We always kill. I knew you'd come back ever since you left yesterday. <laughs> That's what it feels like to me anyways. This could be months later, but who knows. Your light show will hold uh Ray won't hold Ray long and that's yes. Kills kills Ray and that's when a familiar master of magnetism suit drops through the ceiling, I think. Well, wait, before that happens, we get Horseman uh appears. Oh. Kicks the crap out of Sunspot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Dazzler stops uh Magma from I guess hurting her. No, wait a minute. Is this the Horseman that was going to start a play? Play theme? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Max. What's he doing he, here? He he has re-signed up to work with Alexander Flynn. I mean, it's basically undoing what was done in Beauty and the Beast. And the and what happened in Beauty and the Beast never even really had to happen. So it's really confusing as to why they felt the need to undo it. it. It'll it'll be made clear in future issues of New Mutants. It'll all make sense. Oh, fantastic! No spoilers though. Okay. So yeah, there's uh, that happens, and Dazzler she she hits Magma because Magma is about to do something bad. Dazzler's afraid that uh, the New Mutants are going to hurt her friends, so uh, she's kind of choosing sides, I guess. And that's when the ceiling is ripped open. Magneto comes in and says, "Mutants, heed my words and obey. I am power. I mean, I am Magneto." <laughs> and he's got a fancy new suit that just has like a huge M that goes from his crotch to his shoulders. <laughs> Very funny. Well, you built this for me. She wanted to emphasize the M in my name. <laughs> yeah. She says I'm bigger than Scott. Just saying. Just want to put that out there. I have come at the behest of your mentor to summon you to the defense of your world. I mean, I'm only talking to you guys, the, the four of you on the floor, none of, none of these other gladiator people. <laughs> Time is fleeting. We none of us have we have none of us none to waste. Time that is. Let those who will join me step forward to those who will not hinder us, interfere in any way at your peril. So Cannonball and Dazzler and Magic join and Lila uh, join Magneto, but Sunspot and Amara still under the sway of the uh bribery or, or the, the guilt of the kidnapped children that stay behind. Magneto, he's a villain, but something in his voice makes me believe him. <laughs> Sunspot, come here. This man's our ticket out here. Sunspot says, no, you go. I got to stay. And if none of this makes sense, it's because it doesn't make sense. I don't know. It kind of makes sense. Well, it, it makes sense. It's just that it's very out of character for Sam and Magic to be like, okay, we'll follow you, Magneto. <laughs> We're out. Guy who we're pretty sure is um, a bad guy. Yeah, we'll follow you. And there you go. So that's the end of that new Mutants, which... uh, So now we've got two... Well, the only two mutant titles now dovetailing into Secret Wars 2. 
Uh, I guarantee, although I haven't read it, every other Marvel comic in the Marvel universe is also dovetailing into Secret Wars too. At the same not every time. comic, it's, really? it's only it's only a handful this time. It's I bet you Avengers and Fantastic Four are gotta be not every issue though. It dips, and in oh. the same way that the next couple of X Men, like like I have I have the Omnibus, and no, I just mean like every every issue that was published this month is probably ending with a oh my god Beyonder continued in Secret Wars two. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, but I don't think so because I think this Secret Wars is very different than the previous Secret Wars in that it is weaved into what is going on rather than taking place outside of what is going on. So let's talk about Secret Wars 2, in fact. Let's talk about Secret Wars 2, number one, and, and, and maybe a little bit about the series without giving away too much. Well, this time, um, so like, uh, for example... In between Secret Wars 2, 1, and 2, there are four issues that relate to the continuity of Secret Wars 2 in the Marvel Universe. Nothing else does. Right. I mean, every issue is aware that Secret Wars is happening, but we only follow the Beyonder through certain issues. And and this time it would be, and we won't talk about that this week, but... After Secret Wars 2, number one happens, it goes New Mutants 30, Captain America 306, Uncanny X-Men 198, and Iron Man 197, and then back to Secret Wars 2. And every issue has four or five issues in between it that that directly relate to the story of Secret Wars 2. So it's it's a slightly different tactic than than the other Secret Wars thing where we have this thing going on for nine months, but everybody's already gotten back from it. Right, which I think was a mistake uh, to do it that way. Um, it makes sense that Secret Wars 2 is structured this way. Um, and I I actually, a few years back, I grabbed everything uh, and the... the like probably very probably your omnibus basically and i read it from start to finish and um the writing wanes and ebbs and flows as 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 it as you would expect but for the most part it's like reading everything back to back like really works um yeah it's it's for this secret wars series so far, I, I've I've never read the whole thing. Um, I've read a bit ahead so far, but so far I'm I'm actually impressed. Like you know, I'm a little less interested in issues of Captain America or Iron Man, but they're still pretty well written, and I'm enjoying them. Let me give you I'm going to give you one spoiler that's not X Men related, so we'll never talk about this on the show. Uh, that that it happens early on in um, Secret Wars two, maybe at issue two or three, where. Uh, the Beyonder turns the Heroes for Hire building into a solid gold building, and it collapses under its own weight. And he's like, there, you wanted riches and wealth? You got it. And the Beyonder takes off. And then mm-hmm. the rest of the year, or month, basically, I think it's like Spider-Man, Heroes for Hire, maybe Captain America, they all have to deal with like this situation that now there's like you know $15 million of gold right in the middle of Manhattan. And if they... Uh, if they let people just take this money, like that will totally devalue the con- uh, um, the currency of the United States and could plummet them into like a depression. And it's like, right. that's really cool. Like, and then they all had to deal with like, how are they going to hide this and how are they going to solve this problem that the Beyonder created? And he does that throughout the entire cycle of Secret Wars too, where he does something in the main body of the story, and then everybody's got to like deal with like the ramifications of that for that month of. Uh, of comic books, which is really cool. It's a, it's a really interesting way of telling a story that I think kind of becomes more closely to the way things are done nowadays. 
Yeah, it's, I mean, I think the problem, I don't even know if Secret Wars was a problem, but the problem to me is, is it was exactly what you said, is like it's 12 issues long, but by the time you get to issue four, like the rest of the Marvel Universe has already moved on from whatever's going to happen in eight months from what issue you're currently reading. Whereas Secret Wars 2, like it's happening as your comic is happening. And right. it's possible that whatever title you're reading, its story may be an outcome of the Beyonder. Or it might just be a reference to the Beyonder, as is the case with most of the X-Men comics, but but not all. And since it's like, it's it's 12 months, isn't it? Or is it six months? Is it bi-weekly? Or? It doesn't matter. Like this, we're on 195. Like this will go on through X-Men number 203. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes it's relevant to what the X-Men are doing and more often it's actually not exactly yeah so anyways praise in my opinion for secret wars 2 and i think because of the way that it's done we don't have characters as we we still have the problem where jim shooter doesn't really know the x-men that well he's a little bit better this time around but But it's better there's yeah because i feel like because of the fact that you know, everybody's able to communicate with everybody uh, based on what is what is happening on a, on a month by month basis. I think it's a little bit better. So, yeah, uh, it would uh, do you? Th- was there a toy line to go with Secret Wars two, or is this just all its own thing? I think um, that I read somewhere that there was no toy line, um, but the comics did really well. Okay. Um, critically, the Secret Wars one was didn't do very well, but Sales-wise, it did extremely well, so they decided they were going to do it again, do it a little differently. Um, it, it was purely a sales-driven thing. They're going to do it bigger and better. And and they did it, I would say they did it bigger and they did it better. Um, and a lot of, uh, well, like in the top left-hand, uh, uh, the Marvel box, basically, where you would have a hero or whatever, you've got the form of uh, a body materializing. And I believe mm-hmm. as the series goes on, that picture evolves into what the Beyonder eventually comes to look like or decide mm-hmm. to look like. Yes. Just cool little nuanced stuff like that. So, yeah, I uh, I liked, I mean, it's not, it's it's still pretty fluffy and it's Jim Shootery, but I mean, as far as things go, uh, it's, it's pretty enjoyable. So, on the cover of Secret Wars 2, number one, there's a lot of X-Men and New Mutants and Captain America and Iron Man, but mostly X-Men and New Mutants. There are, in fact, more X-Men and New Mutants than actually appear in the issue. <laughs> yeah, I believe that. I didn't do an actual count, but uh, I believe you. And we get the whole Secret Wars 2 intro. Something's happening. It's crazy. It's spooky. Molecule Man is back. He's hanging out with uh, Volcana. Remember her? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're a, they're a happy couple now. And apparently... Apparently, like with all the power they wield and whatever, they they just kind of enjoy sitting at home, eating snacks and watching old reruns of Laverne and Shirley. They're living the life. They don't need to be supervillains anymore. They've got superpowers, but, you know, they're just they're just enjoying each other's company and, and, and they're happy. Now, was Volcana an established villain, or is she one of the women that Doctor Doom created? She is one of the women that appeared in the middle of Secret Wars 2. Um, whether or not Doctor Doom created them i do we ever really figure that out i don't remember it seemed like he had two women in test tubes that he created that that just kind of showed up yeah anyways it doesn't matter um but uh owen reese here the molecule man he works out what's going on and it's the it's what what okay so what happened remember how spider woman shows up or was it spider girl shows up in the middle of it and she came with like a suburb of some town denver Mm -hmm. uh 
Volcana and the other girl were from Denver, and that's where Doctor Doom grabbed them and tested them and gave them powers. Well, that makes sense because this story starts in Denver, Colorado. Oh yeah, there you go, <laughs> near a suburb of Denver, Colorado. He lands. Uh, Molecule Man works it out. He's like, "No, it can't be. It's him up there. There he is." And uh, we—he doesn't say the name, but on the next page, the professor. Uh, looks up from the couch and says, Da Beyonder! So here we get kind of the other side of that scene from New Mutants that we just uh, read about where the professor, and I, I think we already got this scene in uh, the previous issue of New Mutants, but the the, the, the professor recognizes that the Beyonder is on Earth. Um, the rest of the New Mutants and Legion run into the room and Myra's like, chill out, Charles. You're going to hurt yourself. And... Uh, Charles says, no, I got to I got to contact the X-Men or, or anybody because this is serious. And uh, Charles looks like he's squeezing a deuce. <laughs> Legion's in the back playing with blocks, which is kind of cute. <laughs> Legion is very strange in this. It's almost like it's just an anomaly. It's like, oh, make sure you draw a Legion in the background. What? Who? Okay. <laughs> Jim Shooter doesn't know what a Legion is. And Al Milgram's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to. He's playing with blocks. I don't care. Move on. Next. <laughs> So the professor reaches out and is only able to contact Captain America and Magneto, as we know. So we get the Captain America scene where yep. he says, the Beyonder is on Earth. Western U.S., the world, the universe is in danger. Hear me, believe. Captain America is on a domestic passenger civilian flight in his Captain America suit. And everyone's like, well, it's him. What's he doing here? That's crazy. But Captain America, he uses his uh, Avengers clearance to gain access to the pilot's cabin and redirect the plane. And then he also gives kind of a backstory of what happened in Secret Wars 1 for the pilot or the reader who didn't read Secret Wars 1. And then we flip back to Denver Hotel or apartment rather. And he re he's only been told the West Coast. So he, he redirects the plane to L.A. because you know, that's a good place to start. It's very vague information he has to go by, though. Yeah. Beyonder, West Coast, United States, go! <laughs> so in the apartment of Owen Reese and Volcana, they've kind of, they're, they're okay with this for a certain degree. I mean, Molecule Man's a little upset that the Beyonder here, who has now taken the form of a Secret Wars 1 hero-villain amalgam. Uh, let's see, who we've, we've got Captain America's Boots. Uh, claws, hand, uh, Iron Man's, Man's chest, Iron Man's chest, Doctor Doom's face. Part of his part of his helmet, I'm assuming, is at the top, along with Doctor Doom and Cyclops' face. Is that Storm's hair? I'm guessing that's Storm's hair. Uh, four and an X for logos. So we got Fantastic Four and X Men represented. He's got Hulk underwear. Hulk underwear. I think that's everything. Uh, and then he's got big arms, so I don't know if that's supposed to be Hulk or if that's supposed to be another character. And then he's got, like, uh, pointy fingernails. I don't know if that's Thor. Thor? <laughs> Thor doesn't have pointy yeah. fingernails. No, you don't, don't. Don't you know? That's, like, one of Thor's signatures, pointy fingernails. You're lying. I'm Thor. <laughs> <laughs> Volcana, she don't care. She's like, give me another bag of chips. Because remember, in Secret Wars 1, she was a fat girl. <laughs> and I say that. I mean, I'd say that pretty rudely, but they really made a point of, like, really working the fat angle with Volcana. And we just talked about, like, no, she's just a... She's just a well-built woman. She's not fat. No, it's yeah. You're. I didn't. I didn't notice that in my first read-through, but it, it does seem like something that Jim Shooter would purposely do to 
Oh, yeah. She probably wants some chips. Yeah. So in every panel where she's watching TV, she's got snacks or chips or she's like, hey, you should go out and get some potato chips. And it's like, oh, come on. <laughs> she's not that one dimensional. So neither of her or Owen really care because as the molecule man, he's able to fix things. So they're not too worried and they want to be very helpful. Um the Beyonder essentially reveals that he is on Earth to understand and experience um, what it means to to be human, I guess. Molecule Man is trying to explain, like, well, you, you just you can't just come here and understand. You have to you got to like you got to live with us. You got to be with us. Uh, you have to have uh, experience. That's what he says. I have experience. I desire experience. He should go to L.A. You can experience everything there, says Volcana, as she's flipping the channel on the TV. Well, that's convenient. <laughs> okay. Just remember to follow the directions. Oh, and you might want to take a less, oh, conspicuous form. Like, don't look like you look. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. I shall. And so he takes off and they're like, well, all right. All's well. It ends well. Uh, Molecule Man fixes the couch and everything else in the apartment, and they just continue to watch TV. You think he'll be okay? Sure, dot, dot, dot. Back at the mansion, Magneto's there, this big M chest logo. Well, remember last issue of X-Men Nightcrawler was on another mission? Yes. Well, apparently he's back. Well, yeah. It was <laughs> I'm a back from my mission. Oh, Magneto. Do you know what his mission was? He finally had to set his pet pterodactyl Terry free. Oh, that would that would be a good story that needs to be told. You should write that story. <laughs> Submit it. Maybe somebody will write it. Like, oh, you know what we forgot to do between X-Men's 195 and Secret Wars 2? The Terry <laughs> story. All right. So, yeah, Nightcrawler and Colossus, um, they're talking to Magneto. There is no time for this, Nightcrawler. You must do as I say. Maybe this is all some deception of your making. Why should we trust you, says Colossus? Because you have no choice. I will take whatever steps necessary to what? The X-Men crash into the mansion. Rogue flies through a window. Wolverine slices through the wall. Kitty phases through the wall. Even though we've already established that Kitty can phase lots of people through walls, they just decide to do a lot of damage to the mansion. Well, you know, it's an exciting panel. Yeah. Nobody threatens an X-Men while another one lives, Maggie. Yes. So like we we got the the Wolvie in the previous issue, we're getting Maggie now. Somehow I just don't see Wolverine calling Magneto Maggie. But <laughs> Leave me alone, Wolvie. Go away, <laughs> Maggie. <laughs> yeah. And so they all kind of start a little tussle there. Colossus is holding back. Even though Colossus didn't really believe Magneto like five seconds ago, now he's like... Yeah, it's, it's like, what did Magneto say that convinced Colossus? <laughs> Wait, no, you, you gotta listen to him. It's not what you think, even though I thought what you thought like a minute ago. But but hang on a second. And to be fair, Magneto just threatened us instead of actually explaining anything. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Nightcrawler, he teleports in front of everybody and says, Magneto is only here to talk to everyone. So I don't know if it's explained here, but I think at some point it is. Uh, all of the X-Men get a, they don't get quite the, the call that, uh, Magneto got, but they do get a slight uh, resonance of the professor so that they're not completely unawares. Right. Uh, Magneto tells him that the Xavier's asked me to lead you in search of the Beyonder. Uh, I ask that you follow. 
And I asked this but once. So he's still kind of threatening, kind of a jerk. Not quite the same Magneto we saw in the last New Mutants issue we read. Yeah, Chris Claremont's Magneto, Jim Shooter's Magneto, two different Magnetos. Yeah. Nightcrawler speaks for the X-Men. We will join you very carefully, he thinks to himself. So they go find some of their limousines that they have in the mansion's garage. And they're like, whoa. We got. Are we going to drive all the way there? And Magneto's like, no, we're going to fly the car with my magnetic beams. I don't... It's, is this supposed to be like comedy? I don't... It's stupid. So they fly... <laughs> they fly the limo and somebody says like, do you think we should stop and pay the toll? I hope that was a joke, Colossus. <laughs> yeah, it's like very slapsticky travel. Yeah, so I think it is kind of a joke. Um, it's stupid. It doesn't it's fit. kind of tongue-in-cheek silliness. Unnecessary, because like, they could have just taken the plane. So back, uh, yeah, well, I don't, maybe the plane is on Muir Island. Maybe the professor flew the plane out there, and that's why they have to fly the car. I don't know. It's yeah, kind but of I mean, the continuity is not that tight to begin with, so. <laughs> right. I think uh, us readers would forgive them if they're, if the Blackbird were in two places at one time. Anyways, uh, we, we're in Hollywood, and now the Beyonder has taken kind of this energy form. I think it's a very similar form to what we saw in Secret Wars 1, and he's, yes. uh, He's kind of flying around, trying to get some experience when he passes by a very disgruntled television writer who apparently is the best television writer in Hollywood, who writes everything, but he hates it. It's all drivel and just terrible and stupid. I get the feeling that Jim Jim Shooter really likes writing this character because he talks a lot. Right. Every, everything he says is like, oh, you're working for the system, man. The system's bringing us down. Oh, it's all like terrible carbon copies of everything. Everything's horrible. That sort of thing. Yeah. See, he's like yelling at his agent or a producer or somebody. at the. But he's he's like, yeah, you'll get your script. But, but the system and the man and Reaganomics and whatever other 80s terms we can throw at this. <laughs> and that's when uh, the Beyonders form comes in and uh, – uh, turns into the form of Owen Reese and he's like, I want to understand. So the first form that the Beyonder takes after his superheroic is the Molecule Man. Yep. This is Stuart Cadwell and he's got a girlfriend, Marion. Uh, he's got like this lightning bolt award that he's really proud of. He's like holding on to and it's on his desk and stuff. He says he's from beyond in my realm. I am all, but here is multiplicity. Here is diversity. Here is incompleteness, which I do not understand. I desire to understand. We cut to the scene of Magneto bumping into the, well, the the scene from New Mutants, essentially. Uh, Magneto shows up in the gladiator pit and some people come along and some people don't. Right. Kind of a, a, a redrawn series from the last New Mutants issue. And, uh... Yeah, now they're they're in L.A. Soon, not far away, the X-Men reconvene. Uh, We have no time to worry about the New Mutants that didn't come with us. We have to find the Beyonder. But who's the Beyonder? I shall explain as we go. Get back into the car. But there wasn't enough room for us in the car the first time. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Uh, And so back at the the Stuart Gadwell's apartments... um, he says, let me get this straight. You could do anything you want, but you don't quite grok what it is to want something. I don't know what grok means. It must be an 80s term. No, grok is a uh, – have you ever read uh, Strangers in a Strange Land? No. Uh, Heinlein. So it's a term that was used a lot in that book. Um, 
And it just means to, in the book, it essentially meant to absorb somebody's essence generally by eating them. Oh. So it means to understand you. Like, so I grok you, man. Got it's kind of like, I get it. I sure know what I would do if I had that power. Um, you want to see some desire made into reality? You want to see some wish fulfillment in action? Why don't you give me some power? And so he does. Yeah. He gives him some power and he becomes this golden armored character called Thundersword. And he's like, wow, I'm going to straighten out this world. And he's got this flying horse named Bossomer and uh, they're going to go, they're going to go make the world Boromir. right. What's that? Oh, Boromir. Boromir. Which isn't Boromir. Isn't that also a Lord of the Rings character? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, his, his award, as it turns out, is a Shazam award. So that's kind of funny. So he, he sets out to make the world a better place. Uh, so you, you almost think like, okay, well, he's going to join the ranks of superheroes. Oh, and it is his Shazam award that basically turns into his thunder sword. Right. Which is his superhero name. So the X-Men are wandering around LA. They're just like, oh, the Beyonder could be anywhere, could be anything. Uh, so let's get back into our car and fly around. And Rachel senses a presence that she has not felt before for for many years, an enormous power. She also thinks to herself that she doesn't like doing this, targeting yeah. mute or targeting, finding, hunting. Chris Claremont was like, hey, hey, throw this in. And so they they make their way to NBC Studios and apparently... Uh, Thunder Sword's idea of making the world a better place was to destroy the very thing that he was writing for that he perceived as the problem or the system. So he is just, he's just destroying NBC right now. Make me rewrite my scripts, will you? You slime who moronic media, who force moronic mediocrity upon the mindless masses. No wonder they're illiterate vegetables. This will teach you. And that's essentially his dialogue in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's bit the basic represent of everything that he says about various different institutions. So Cannonball and Rogue are flying outside of the car while the car flies by magnet, uh, Magneto's magnetic waves. Uh, they have some sort of plan maybe to take out this uh, golden sword dude. Well, they think it's the Beyonder. Right, that's right. First. Uh, but but uh, Thunder Sword, what's his name? Thunder Sword. Yeah, Thunder Sword. He turns tail and attacks the car and slices it in half with his Shazam sword. <laughs> and uh, all of the X Men are falling out of this car that is now destroyed. And Nightcrawler and Kitty and Cannonball and Rogue fly and Bamf and walk after him. And they reconvene to do another battle. Um, Colossus gets, or, uh, Cannonball gets knocked back, and Colossus and Wolverine both catch him, destroying a McDonald's. Someone says, Hey, go wreck a Burger King, will you? I'm working my way through grad school here. You deserve a break today, McTrash Food. And Thunderstorm is just the one to break your high type, high sugar, low nutrition hole in America and the world. <laughs> and uh, he, as he's about to destroy uh, McDonald's, he ad- inadvertently catches fire to a nearby hotel. Magneto orders yeah. uh, Rachel to awaken everybody and order them to flee. So Magneto's really taking kind of that really one-dimensional leadership role that the professor had in Secret Wars 1. Yeah, yeah. It's working. Yeah. Uh, there is a um, not very funny line where... Thundersword says, McBurgers, garbage. And Colossus says, what? I love the Big I love the Big Macs. And the McFries are the best. 
Are they really called the like, Are they really called Mac fries? No, I'm surprised they actually used Mac uh, Big Macs, but you know, whatever. To put us in time, you realize the uh, inventor of the Big Mac died a couple of days ago? No, I didn't. You know, the Big Mac is the type of thing that I never really thought had an inventor. <laughs> Everything has an inventor. It doesn't seem like an invention, I guess. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't know. It's just a burger that's different. So all of the people from the hotel flee. Um, uh, Not knowing why, but then they realize, oh, the building's on fire. Iron Man gets engaged. I guess this is Iron Man, uh, Rhodey Iron Man. Captain America gets engaged, and they're all fighting Thunder Sword. Um, <laughs> Lila Cheney is here. Yeah, she yeah. she tagged, she tagged along. Uh, she's been hurt. I sense she's only stunned, says Rachel. At least I think... I do. I'm having trouble sensing anything, uh, trying to maintain a psi link. There's some interference. Is it thunderstorm? No, it's coming from the other direction. This is weird. I feel another presence, incredibly awesomely powerful presence, and it's right here. And uh, the invisible air turns into the Beyonder, who is still using a uh, molecule man uh, body. Yes. Um, which establishes early on that the Rachel has a strange relationship with the Beyonder. We'll learn a little bit more about that. That's important. Yep. Um, Molecule Man immediately grabs Ilyana and I guess reaches into the core of her building, uh, uh, being and pulls out a demonic essence, which until this point we've only known a little bit about. Um, I mean, we knew, we knew it was happening, but he like pulls it right out and she becomes this dark child, which has like a, a, tail and and hooves and uh, horns is basically a, a devil creature with armor right and this is i think this is like her inadvertent reveal to the x-men and the new mutants as to what she really is maybe so she panics and pulls uh she she pulls cannonball and kitty and rachel and dazzler into limbo uh just to escape Wolverine notices that the silence's been cut off. Rachel, the kids, and Kitty, they're gone. And he goes into a berserker rage and slices up the Beyonder. He slices through Owen Reese Beyonder. They're basically killing him. Right. This is, this is, again, this is like a gym shooter, like, what's, oh, Wolverine's got a berserker? Okay, let's use that. <laughs> Not quite understanding the nuances of it, uh, but yeah. So he goes crazy, and they're like, oh my god, you'll stop, you'll kill him, you'll rip his heart out, but he's fine, he's okay. Um, so the the Beyonder stares there, uh, stares at them kind of in, in, in a sort of shock, he's got slices across his face, and he's bleeding. Uh, Lila Cheney then panics and captures uh brings the rest of the x-men and magneto to her disc world presumably yep and uh dyson sphere the story is uh that's the end of the x-men for the issue but the story is is finished with a little fight between uh iron man captain america and thunder sword Captain America throws his shield, separating it, the sword, from Thundersword, which causes him to revert back to Stuart Cadwell. And I don't know what happens to his horse. But now he realizes... Disappears. Oh, oh man. I just destroyed my job. Everything I have. Oh, what am I going to do? Turn it back. Make it happen. I destroyed the places I worked. Oh, Lord. The Captain America goes up to the Beyonder to say, hey, um, I'd like a, a word with you. Pop. And he disappears. 
He desires experience. I shall understand. And so he disappears. Captain America and Iron Man have a little back and forth. Captain America walks away. And the Beyonder as Owen Reese follows Captain America. And I can only imagine that it goes into a Captain America issue next. Actually, it doesn't. Oh, well, really? I mean, it could, but um, I guess it depends on what order you read the the four in. New Mutants picks up um, in the in the book. It goes straight into New Mutants. Okay, and then Captain America. It doesn't really matter. But the Beyonders in all of these issues in between as well. So, but we'll worry about that next time because now we got to talk about the Dazzler. Oh, yeah, the Dazzler. Dazzler number 38. Yeah. I, I mean, th- there's some important things here uh, to discuss. And this is this, this, we get a, the introduction to uh, a dude named OZ. I can't remember what his name is. And his dog, Cerebus. Wouldn't that be Oz? Uh, I thought it was like uh, OZ. Maybe his name is Oz. I don't know. I thought it was OZ. But, anyways, uh, he will be a Dazzler. He'll be back. But he's a bounty hunter and he's been given the task of hunting down the Dazzler. But meanwhile, after all that's gone on in Dazzler's life, uh, she's she's ready to train with the X-Men. But uh, Wolverine is not sure. She doesn't want to join the X-Men, but she just wants to kind of use them for the, the, the training. Exactly. And Wolverine's like, look, this isn't playtime. You're not ready. I've seen what you can do. I'm not happy. I mean, like Wolverine really lays it on thick, this issue. It's out of character, but... And it kind of starts off, it's one of those kind of like forward in time, backward in time things where uh, Wolverine and Colossus are attacking Dazzler and you're not really quite sure what's going on. And then you flip back in time to where the rest of the X-Men, you got Rogue, uh, I think, is the Professor there? The Professor's there too. Everybody's like, yeah, you know, you're not really an X-Man. I don't know if you really are up to this task, but we'll we'll train you. We'll work with you. So they run her through some danger room exercise and she does pretty well. But Wolverine is not impressed. Dazzler uh, is given a new costume to focus her energy. It's designed by the professor. And I got to be honest, this focused energy Dazzler costume, I, I really, I know it's a mainstay outfit for her, but I don't know if they ever talk about the ability that the costume gives her ever again. <laughs> At least not in the pages of Uncanny X-Men when she becomes a team member. Hasn't she gained a ton of powers in this issue and lost them? Didn't she gain a new power in Beauty and the Beast? What was that? I can't remember. I just, I I remember there was something that I'd never seen her do before. In Beauty and the Beast and in one other issue of Dazzler, she made like a whole person hologram with her light ability. Hmm. She doesn't do that <laughs> much uh, or ever. Uh, and some of the issues she used solid beams of light to, to create the laser beam effect, but I don't remember any specific new powers in this issue. But yeah, Wolverine and Colossus are sent to give her the ultimate test. It could be it, it could be tomorrow, could be in a week, could be a month, you won't know, but you'll need to be ready, and that'll be your final test. And there's a, another person who's kind of observing the whole thing, who I think we're led to assume is this Oz guy or OZ guy, uh, but it's Maybe. not. It's Cyclops. He was <laughs> pulled out of retirement uh, to observe, uh, and he gave Dazzler some last-minute tips on how to deal with situations and such. And uh, she ultimately passes the test. Uh, Wolverine accepts her, and that's when this OZ or Oz guy is given an assignment to capture Dazzler. Uh, but then the guy who gives him the assignment melts. Yeah, it's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> but he's still thinking as he's melting. Yes, I'm certain you'll keep her. Oh, my God, I'm melting. <laughs> <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, so it, 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 she's got a costume. The X Men are here. Uh, like, there's this new bounty hunter guy that's gonna follow her. We got a like he's got a dog. So things are happening for the next what four issues? Yeah, I think that's uh, forty-two is the last issue. Yep. Spoilers. <laughs> Beast is in the last issue. Makes sense. <laughs> so yeah, just just lots of X Men Dazzler. Number 38, but kind of out of character in my opinion. Like Wolverine's like really heavy handed. Yeah. Uh, it's got good art though. It's decent. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. It is good. It's like a whole new creative team. I don't know. was gathered to like, we can save and resurrect Dazzler. And four months later, like, no, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> so what'd you read? Anything? So uh, lately I've been kind of really skimming through these new defenders, but there's only a few issues left. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to get back on track. Um, this, this cover has Wolverine on the cover. That is a huge misnomer. Um, he's not in it. Aww. There's a hologram of him in it. And actually every there's a hologram of Wolverine Hulk and several other people in the issue. And they're all using machine guns. It's kind of amusing. There is a mysterious motorcyclist with a female companion, uh, heading towards the defenders compound. Um, Last issue, the Defenders had a big battle with Moondragon. Moondragon and Valkyrie Valkyrie are presumably dead. Angel is blind, and Angel and Cloud are both dangerously wounded. They're they're worried that they're going to die. General Argyle Fist shows up um, with the army, and he talks about how, I know you guys have government clearance and all, but you defenders need to be kind of careful with how you handle this. You kind of destroyed a lot of uh, public stuff, and somebody like Senator Robert Kelly might show up and, and lock you up. So that was an interesting reference. Yeah, he's an important character. Um, there's a segue about a mysterious woman with blue lips. Wasn't I don't know where that's going. Um, she contacts like an alien spaceship and sends, she steals a lawyer's credit card and sends it to, I don't know, it was weird. Um, Beast learns that Angel's blindness is permanent um, and Cloud's mysterious phys- physiology, being that she's kind of cloud-like, makes it impossible to determine how to repair her and whether or not she's going to live or die. Um Meanwhile, the mysterious motorcycler finally arrives at the uh, compound and busts through the aforementioned uh, holograms and army troops. And it's Johnny Blaze. Remember him? Uh, it's Ghost Rider. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. He, uh, he's no, Ghost Rider ended a while back, so he's no longer Ghost Rider. Now he's just Johnny Blaze with, with his girlfriend, Roxanne. And... Um, He's there because he needs to borrow money from Warren. He feels really bad about it. <laughs> Did he come riding up on a motorcycle? Yeah, yeah. Maybe he should sell his motorcycle. You would think, but <laughs> maybe he needs I don't know. I don't know what the deal is with them yet. I guess they're going to be in the uh, next couple of issues. Uh, Valkyrie also returns. Turns out she's not dead. She lets everybody know that Angel and Cloud are not going to die. And Moondragon is also still alive, likely going mad somewhere. Um, Angel recovers. Candy shows up and is very happy about that. Um, He's still blind, though. Um, That's when Johnny asks Warren to uh, borrow some cash. Warren says, of course, we're old buddies from the days of the champions. And he says, hey, do you want to be the Defenders mechanic? And Johnny's like, not really. Um, It's some army lady named Nancy 
has a weird connection to Cloud and she's flirting with Beast and she says she's met Beast before and I don't know if that happened in Defenders, but all I could really think about was what happened to Vera? It, on again, off again. Yeah, they were they were so serious for a while. I mean, I know she's coming back in the pages of X Factor, but right. not for a while. Nope. Uh, Alpha Flight number 24, the team goes searching for Sasquatch's soul because it turned out that he had a monster inside him and the monster got killed. Another another spoiler, not to get too far ahead, but Defenders, like the Iceman, Angel, and Beast arc ends because of Secret Wars 2. Yeah, it's got a direct tie-in. I was actually fascinated with how that issue ended. I was like, really? This is how you can... Okay, I'm in. Sounds good. Anyways. Well, that same month, another comic will come out. Hmm. Um... Uh, Alpha Flight is they're searching for Sasquatch's soul um, in the realm of the beasts, which is a place that Snowbird knows how to get to. Uh, North Star and Talisman meet for the first time, which I thought was kind of weird because I thought they already met in X Men versus Alpha Flight, um, but maybe John Byrne didn't know that. Didn't count. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe maybe they never actually met in X Men and Alpha Flight. They just were you know around each other, but never actually said hi. Hey, what's your name? <laughs> Hello? Uh, whatever. Um, all of the beasts that Alpha Flight fought in prior issues, which I guess Alpha Flight's been kind of about defeating these Canadian beasts, which I never really connected that, but they'll come back and Alpha Flight manages to just kill them and the and destroy the realm of the beasts and the leader of the realm of the beasts, meaning that Snowbird no longer has any purpose because she was created to stop the beasts. Um they manage to rescue Sasquatch's soul, but by the time they get back to the Earth, his body has crumbled into dust. But luckily, uh, a member of Beta Flight shows up named Box, and they put Sasquatch into the Box robot. Yeah. Uh, Captain Britain number seven. Captain Britain returns to Earth um, and finds that Betsy killed his alternate reality counterpart. Do you recall that? No. <laughs> <laughs> she's uh she's pretty skittish around Brian now. Uh this issue is actually pretty fun in that there's apparently a computer uh life form named Mastermind, but oh. not that Mastermind. Um that makes up the catacombs of Braddock Manor and it decides that it hasn't been used very effectively and decides to involve itself in the Braddock's lives more now as their butler slash helper. Captain okay. Britain does not trust it. Betsy does, and they get into an argument about it. Um, some freaks and mutants show up. Uh, has something to do with the reality breakdown from the Jasper Johns things that we read a billion years ago. Um, they want Captain Britain to lead them. Um, Mastermind reveals that Betsy and Brian are half human and half wizard what? or something. But their brother, Jamie, is all human. Um, so... so. It's it's fun. It's kind of quirky. There's it's weird. Something that we have to keep our um, eyes open. Well, <laughs> our eyes open for. There's something about Betsy's eyes, and I don't know. I don't think it's been addressed in the Captain Britain that you've read. Um, but it's referenced in, I believe, it's referenced in some X Men and some Excalibur stories. Well, we've we've kept up with every appearance of Betsy Braddock so far. So okay, we will hopefully. Uh, get to that point. I, th I think I know what you're talking about. I honestly don't. I mean, 
I know it's coming up. Yeah, it's coming up in a bit, but I honestly don't recall how she gets brought into the X-Men. So that'll be fun to, to get back to. Well, the last issue of Captain Britain is coming, so I think it'll happen after that. Probably. So what did you think of, uh, was that it for Captain Britain? Oh yeah, that, that was it for my supplemental reading, except for uh, another miniseries that we both uh, endeavored to. So settle in, it's going to be another hour as we talk about Iceman numbers one through four. I'm just kidding. Uh, no, let's just, let we can just discuss this one. That I went into this because I first uh, uh, started thumbing through the artwork. And I was like, ugh, this just looks terrible. Um, was and, and Iceman for all intents and purposes, is just not that compelling of a, compare, a character to me. I was like, what are they going to do for four issues, and how am I going to care? And as, if you just flip through it, it's like, oh, okay, so some other some other reality, like he's stuck through a worm. Like, I don't, okay, so none of this matters. None of this this counts for anything. So, but then I actually started reading it, and uh, I, I got to admit, I, I got into it. I liked it. It's not the best thing I've ever read, but it was way better than I was expecting. Yeah, it was definitely way better than I expected. Um, the first two issues, I would even say, are good. I would say that all four issues are good. Uh, the first issue is pretty good because you don't quite know what's going on. But whoever I can't remember who wrote it, but whoever was uh, just kind of kept it going. Like there wasn't like a ton of dialogue on the pages. Uh, something was going on with a girl. He was having some relationship problems with his parents. His parents are definitely not cool with Iceman uh, being a mutant which which if if you remember from X-Men 2 Iceman's parents were also not okay with him being a mutant true right continuity yeah between different medias yeah i think they were trying to make a parallel of mutant and and gay folks so i think it just happened to be a coincidence actually i was i was reading this uh Iceman limited series with the understanding that Iceman is now a gay character. And I was trying to see if that made sense. <laughs> um, obviously, it doesn't. Right. But there are always little bits of it that you can kind of make make sense, which is interesting. So I've not read the arc where Iceman is gay. So he, he's not gay in my mind. Well, did you you, you read the, the past Iceman comes out as gay, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, I okay. think I, I was even collecting all new... X-Men while that revelation was occurring. I just don't think I got to the, the reveal, the payoff, the, hey, wait, I am gay. Yeah, so a young gay Iceman confronts um, old Iceman about being gay, and old Iceman's like, I'm not gay. <laughs> and then young Iceman is like, but you are, because I am, and I'm young you. <laughs> and then Iceman essentially says he's been hiding it from himself his whole life. It's sort of cheesy. I don't know that it's well done, but he's out now. Yeah. It, no, it's fine. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But in the in the context, I, I did not read this issue with that in mind. It was just kind of a fun thing for me to do. <laughs> Honestly, I'd, I'd forgotten <laughs> about that whole thing. But anyways, yeah. So he, he's all into this girl, but this girl's kind of weird. Like things are happening around and then they like disappear. And there's like some object uh, that, that is transporting them i guess through time is basically basically what happens right so after yes. like a big fight with his parents i can't remember exactly what happens but he gets transported to like where does he get transported to well he gets transported to the 1940s is that ultimately where that's ultimately where he goes but was there like one other time travel that... yes the other people don't transport to the 1940s they transport to the, the 1800s or something yeah 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 to like ye old somewhere 1892, England. 
Right. And they're, they've got like computer screens and they're monitoring and they're like, who was that boy? You got too close or something like that. Uh, and then somebody's like, oh, I left one of the devices behind because we're being, oh, they're being chased because there's this, there's this guy, his name is Despair. Is that his name? No. Not um, Despair. Uh, is it Oblivion? No, it's oh, not Oblivion. Are you sure it's not Oblivion? Maybe it is. I think it is Oblivion. Or maybe that's where he goes. In any event, like this guy is, is. Yeah, it is Oblivion. Oblivion. He's conjuring elements from him, I think, and sending them to hunt down this girl. Uh, and so when those, the two creatures who I, I like the two creatures, they, they were cool. I can't remember what their arcs were. They didn't want to die. Well, they didn't <laughs> want to die, but they were like, kind of like a, a like a, a, a funny comedy duo. Yeah. They were R2-D2 and C-3PO. Yeah. And they were, but a little bit more powerful. Uh, and, and so it, it, while the girl was trying to escape, a little device fell, fell, fell away and Iceman got a hold of it. And uh, it transports him to the 1940s. He meets his, his young parents and realizes that they are flawed human beings after all. Right, right. Because they, they, they put on this very, like, perfect uh, front here in 1984, 85, or whatever time period that, that the present is. Uh, and he's, never, he's always seen them that way, but now he sees them as these flawed people that, that have issues and problems. And they're a little bit more down to earth as, as young folks. Um, and Iceman is helping them kind of unravel themselves and, and to see that there's other ways. Uh, and that's when he, they're attacked and ultimately an action that Iceman um, uh, is involved in somehow gets his father killed. Yes. And so there's Iceman stuck in 1940 and his dead dad is in front of him. And he's like, oh, no. <laughs> now what? If my dad doesn't exist, then I don't exist. And then he disappears. So that, well, he does. And the issue ends. Then I think the next issue starts with him, like with oblivion or darkness, right? The last three panels of issue two are him thinking to himself, that means Bobby Drake will never be born. And the last panel is totally black. So I would, so, okay. uh, Allow me to step outside of the whole series. So so two things I kind of wish would have happened. I mean, spoilers, ultimately everything's redone and it's like nothing ever happened, right? He fixes everything and, and he's fine. I think it would have been really cool if, um, like, through just forget about all the paradoxes or maybe the paradox is that even though Bobby Drake killed his father, he doesn't disappear because Bobby Drake has to kill his father in order for his father not to exist. So now he's just like a man out of time and a man that doesn't exist but is physically there. And if they could have maintained that, like the miniseries could be about like him dealing with it and then defeating the enemy. And then he goes back to 1984 and he has no parents. Like that would be a super interesting thing for Iceman to be dealing with for the rest of his life. And it could just be like a little thing, like every now and then again, he's like, man, I went back to 1940 and I killed my dad. I don't (laughs) technically exist, but I'm still here. What's my purpose? Like imagine that story arc for Iceman to carry for the rest of his Marvel uh, career. Yeah, that would be super cool. But it didn't um, happen that way. I feel like they would have need to have gotten maybe I don't know. Like uh, you think of the Wolverine miniseries, and it it resonates with the Wolverine character today. Right. This just doesn't feel. This feels like an annual in the sense that it starts and it ends, and it doesn't matter. Right. Totally. And I wonder if going into it, they knew that 
like it wasn't going to matter. So they just wrote this kind of completely wacky story that's, you know, mostly pretty interesting. Well, in uh, fairness, Beauty and the Beast didn't matter until Chris Claremont made it matter in that New Mutants issue we read at the beginning of this episode. Yeah, and I can tell you that even after the, because I, I, I finished the New Mutants, um, that the run of that story, mm-hmm. it still doesn't matter. Oh, okay. Well, it matters more because they're dealing with the consequences. Even if it gets cleaned up at the end of the day, it it still has generated more content. Yeah. Uh, there was another arc that I wanted to have happen out of this, and I can't really remember what it was. But anyways, I, I really like this concept of... I mean, it's it's kind of played out, right? What happens if I go back in time and kill my parents? But still, it's interesting. No, I, I, I agree with you. I think that would be a cool character thing that if they had taken that and continued with it and done something totally different where this series fell off for me was after issue two issues three and four, I just thought were stupid. Yeah. Right. So I I guess, I guess you're right. So the buildup is a lot better than the payoff and the payoff is basically uh, the, the creatures that, that oblivion is sending out are, are pieces of him and the girl that they're all trying to get. uh, He tried to create himself a daughter, right? Isn't that how that went? Yeah. But the daughter lacked the experience to control the powers or something or whatever. But so she went off on her own. And yeah, the daughter revolts as daughters sometimes do. And so he's trying to get her back because he wants a companion, wants a daughter, or is afraid of what she'll do with the power. I don't really remember. Well, he's worried that eventually she's going to revolt against him. And he doesn't want to have to deal with that. <laughs> so Oblivion says uh, it brings uh bobby well i guess bobby now that he doesn't exist <clears throat> now that he's gone to oblivion you might say he goes to oblivion as uh, the series makes the point of eight billion times the oblivion character comes out and says you don't exist you can stay here forever kind of just existing in this limboy blackness or you can help me get my daughter back and i will f- fix this for you you know what oblivion i'm realizing this now Oblivion looks like an adult version of Orko. <laughs> now you're going to make me look. That's hilarious, <laughs> it's like it, though. It's like if Orko grew up and, I don't know, maybe it's still connected to the Masters of the Universe, but he goes off on this whole other thing somehow. Maybe he was always, maybe maybe in Masters of the Universe, he was Oblivion, and he was somehow connected to this strange world. There's a whole subtext of Orko now. You know how uh, Marvel, well, action figures in general, they made like the ultimate series of of like characters that are fully articulated and and, and super detailed. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I don't know why, but when I was a kid, I thought it'd be really cool if they, if somebody like a toy manufacturer made an Orko, but made it like like a He-Man muscly, but then put the hat and the black face and the little ears sticking through. So you can mm-hmm. essentially have this guy with little blue ears sticking out of his uh, cowl. That was kind of what I imagined that would be kind of a, I don't know, I thought that would be funny. Wasn't there a new toy line of, of uh, Masters of the Universe that were more kind of standard to, to today's standard? They were, they were kind of a different type of muscly. They were more serious and, I don't know, maybe maybe a little more anime. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't they redo Orko as a muscle man in that series? I don't, I never saw it. I feel like I may have seen like a drawing or something where like his hat was just a little bit more pointy, but I don't know. Yeah, maybe I'm just making it up because I saw this. Yeah. 
<clears throat> but anyway, so he, he uh, is now given a deal to to try to find this girl. The girl tries to corrupt uh, him. He ends up fighting uh, against the girl, and uh, I don't know. Oblivion is happy, I guess. It's kind of gross. Um, the the daughter realizes that she's just a part of Oblivion. Eventually, accepts that, which is great. But in the last scene, he's like, "Now come, my daughter, my sister, my mate." Yeah, I didn't know if that was like, "I mate, let's <laughs> top cheerio," but it's like, no, it's like, you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and Iceman does like some powerful stuff because I think maybe was there a double cross going to happen or it wasn't going to happen. I don't really remember, but <clears throat> Oblivion stays true to his word and uh, he wakes up. He wakes up right where he was. Uh, none the worse for the wear. The house next door has not been blown up. Yeah. Angel and Beast show up and they're like, hey, we got a mission. Beast lectures his parents about stuff and they're like, all right, well, go be a superhero. Guess we're proud of you. <laughs> Everybody's happy. Everybody uh, resolves all their issues. Um, yeah. The, 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 I guess the, the problem that I had with the last two issues was that it just turns into this nonsensical metaphysical mumbo jumbo that it was just dumb. Nope, you're you're right. Now that I'm kind of refreshing my 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 memory by looking at those pages, I really enjoyed the first two issues because of the story that it set up. But you're right; the last two issues were basically like um, redundant. Like it was just okay. You could have done a three part series. You could have done the whole Oblivion thing, but you could have ended it after issue three and put Iceman back, or you could have used all four issues to do something super cool. Yeah, which you know. They didn't do. <laughs> and long lasting. Just like totally change Iceman's character arc. Yeah, I like I like your ideas. I, I or your idea is a, it's a good idea. Yeah. And it's a I don't know, it's wacky, it's a little different. Uh but it would certainly make Iceman a hell of a lot more interesting as a character. Well, let's make him gay. <laughs> yeah, but that's everybody's making everybody gay these days. I know. It's <laughs> it's it's Sort of cliched now. Like, I, I don't care about sexual preference. Give me a superhero that doesn't technically exist. I'm I'm in. <laughs> and tell me the story about how you went back and, oh, man, you could do like a story about a superhero that has to go back in time to kill his own father because his father does something bad in the future. But the linchpin of when it happens is right before he was born. So he kills him. And rather than disappearing like the whole Marty McFly, you go the opposite direction like I talked about earlier. And now he's a superhero that 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 meat-wise exists, but can't have existed because his parents were killed. Boom. Sign me up. Where do I start writing? Just send it my way. I'll get you an artist. Sweet. <laughs> All right. Well, that was uh, a lot longer than we expected for a supplemental episode. but uh, And that, dear listener, is why we're breaking them up. Whew. So next week for episode, uh, back to X-Men, and then the follow-up for that will have the Nightcrawler limited series. And then we got to figure out what to do about the Longshot limited series, but we'll figure that out someday. So not looking forward to the Nightcrawler miniseries. It looks bad. So did this one. That's true. That's true. I got low hopes, so maybe. maybe. And at least you know you got Mojo in there. Well, that's for Longshot, not Nightcrawler. Oh, oh. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, got the Nightcrawler looks bad. I've never actually, I've only seen random, like, in comic book stores, I'd always see long... And he was one of my favorite characters back then. I don't know about anymore if I care for him. But uh, I'd always see like long shot number three. So I never read any of it because I couldn't find issues one or two. Because if I was going to read it, I wanted to start from the beginning, not just issue see. three. So that'll do it for us. Uh, until next time, my name's Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the Danger Room is closed. Be 
his hair turned to gray. Soft taste of sweet in the sweltering heat. And you couldn't tell the night from the day. Beyond us, beyond us. Beyond us, beyond us. Beyond us, beyond us. 